The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. If you are caring for a person with autism... Great information from a trusted source can be a lifeline. Welcome to Autism Spectrum Radio. We are here to have the conversations that will help you create success for the extraordinary individual with autism in your life. Now, here is your host, Rob Haupt. Hey, welcome to Autism Spectrum Radio, everybody. I'm Rob Haupt. I'm your host. I am uh, the Vice President here at Autism Spectrum Therapies, we're an agency that provides services to kids, teens, adults uh, with autism, other developmental disabilities, really just providing all-around therapy and support um, to people who need it. And I guess I should probably mention, I'm a BCBA who's, uh, who's, uh, or a board-certified behavior analyst, and I've been... Uh, in the field, providing ABA services, working with uh, both kids and adults on the spectrum for about 12 years now. Um, sorry, I already got into like my thoughts and what we're going. I got a, got a lot of stuff swirling today. Uh, today, it's actually um, no guests, just me talking about kind of the year in review. We were we we're kind of kicking around these these end of the year show ideas of different guests and different things to talk about um, after what seemed like a really fast 2013 and someone threw out the idea of, you know, why don't we, why don't we take some time and kind of sum up or reflect on some of our, some of the interesting guests or some of the interesting discussions we've had this year. And I, I, I really got into that. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, because I, when I actually sat down and looked at the list of, of who was here this last year, I was like, wow, this is a really diverse group. It was, it was far more diverse of a group than I, I even think we were expecting when we started, and it got me pretty excited for the diversity of, of next year and the different types of guests that we could bring on. And um, looking at the early list, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about some of the diverse conversations we're going to have. Um, but I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about talking about reflecting. Um, I think you know, heading into Thanksgiving, I know I was talking a lot about thanks and um, showing appreciation and, and those different themes that, that come with Thanksgiving that we should really try and adhere to on all days of the year. And I found myself in that situation, uh, away from autism, away from, from everything um, that we talk about on this show, just, just with family, and found myself not only at Thanksgiving, but we had a big family wedding um, this past weekend that was, that was really, really fun. And family from, from all over... The, the country came back together. A lot of them here in Southern California, but people came over from, from everywhere. And it was, it was really nice to see some of these words I was talking about in action where, you know, some family members who, who had drifted, who maybe had some, some disagreements and some issues that, that come up between family from time to time. And sometimes these get serious. Um, I got to watch and participate because, you know, I'm part of this family and, and, 
and in it too, all of us kind of come together and, and, and kind of reunite a little bit and show appreciation um, over the span of this weekend. And you could kind of see the little bit of this awkwardness and uncomfortableness um, kind of fade away with each hour and each day because between Thanksgiving and, and this big family wedding, it was about three days together. And you just, you could see it. You see, and it wasn't in words, it was in facial expressions, it was in body language, it was in everything. And so it was nice to kind of see see that appreciation, see that respect, and, and then, you know, kind of reflect back, not on the, the short term, what led to these disagreements, but in the long term of, of, a, of a lifetime. So, I don't know, just felt like sharing that with you guys. It was, it was kind of a cool thing for me to see. Um, I know it doesn't fit in with everything, but but hey, you know, let's share. Um, all right, so let's get into the show. Let's let's talk about the past. Um, you know, when we were when we were talking about our our year in review, um, we wanted to try and, and and look at the things that were kind of the most interesting, and maybe look at some things that maybe had some unanswered questions. Um, so just kind of starting from the beginning of the year and, and, and working our way to the most recent. Um, you know, the first show I really wanted to focus on is something we filmed or recorded on February 12th. Um, if you guys remember, we've had these guys on uh, twice before, but Matt Fuller and, uh, and Carolina Gropa, um, the filmmakers behind uh, a really cool documentary called Autism and Love. Um, they came on in February, and I believe they came on again in April. And I really just, I, I found some of what they were talking about, or so much of what they were talking about, really just really fascinating and really beautiful. Um, you know, these guys were trying to follow, trying to track the, the lives of, of a number of different individuals with autism and track their love lives. Some in cases they were um, tracking people who were married. In some cases they were tracking people who were who were seeking that love um and you know we, we wanted to originally share their experience and share what they were working on uh, really because of a show we did back in 2012 with peter gerhardt um and kind of to paraphrase what peter was saying on that show at one point he was, he basically said in life most people are interested in experiencing love and affection. Why wouldn't the same apply to people with autism and developmental disabilities? This seems obvious. This seems basic. This seems like we should we should know this. But it's something that we don't always we don't always give our kids enough credit for and the community around us definitely doesn't give enough credit to. And so it was really great to to hear some of the stories from from Matt and, and Carolina. Um, you know, I remember them talking specifically about this this married couple having these different sensory needs and the different ways that they were adapting, the different ways that they came together, um, how they lived their life. And I just, I thought this whole perspective was really fascinating. Um, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate a lot, a lot of the different people who are on who are involved with this picture, particularly in the teasers, are, are people who I know. They're people here in Los Angeles um, who I've gotten to work with. Some of them I know a lot better than others. But to hear these perspectives, um, they weren't things I had always heard about. Um, you know, a couple of really good quotes I, I had 
hope to do some audio, but you know, where our technology isn't quite there yet. But some cool quotes uh, that these guys, Matt and Carolina, share with us is um, this documentary educates people who are not familiar with autism about what it is and also shares why people with autism may have challenges connecting with others. The voice of this documentary has to be the people who are living it. We are in the room with them when they are on the first day and in their home making decisions about where to move, the furniture, and the difficulties those interactions can have. And I think those are some of the things that, again, from that married couple and from some of the other stories I came to really appreciate is just truly how simple placement of furniture can, how that simple thing can be really, really important into this this relationship on a whole other level. I mean, I know it, me and my wife argue about where a table should go, where a chair should go, but we're just looking at it from this one aesthetic, uh, how it looks, you know, the sensory part of what comes into a love life and how you live your life and how you create a home, I think is something that we don't always think about. We think about the love connection, but these guys really talked a little bit about what, what it's like to create a home, what it's like, like to create a family, a life. And it, I think that's something we haven't really truly dug into um, to that level. And so I'm glad that they were doing what they were doing and we were able to, to get some more insight. So I would think you guys should definitely go back. It's, it's one of those shows that I think is one of the most impactful. I know I had a couple moments where I got pretty emotional hearing their stories. Um, and what I think was really great about it is I don't feel like their stories were bad stories and at the same time I don't think they were these amazing uplifting stories they were they were real and because they were so real I think that made them the most impactful um, so go take a listen this is a really great one I think you guys should really all go back to if you've heard it and if you haven't heard it tune in as I said February 12th 2013 all right moving on to our, our list of shows um, Next one for us to highlight was um, was a show we did with Dr. Robin McWilliam. Um, now, Dr. McWilliam is the director of the Siskin Center for Child and Family Research. Um, now, this center is located in Tennessee. Really amazing early intervention program. Really amazing early intervention clinic. Um, and we were really looking at early intervention. Now, some people talk about early intervention from a funding perspective. A lot of states think of EI, um, early intervention, as zero to three. And you know, Dr. McWilliam and I were really looking at it a little bit broader. The ABA research out there, ABA therapy, we tend to look at early intervention, um, go a little bit beyond three. We tend to look zero to five. You know, we include preschool because that's where those intensive hours can still really be effective. And um, you actually tend to ramp up your hours and create more of a comprehensive intervention treatment in those three to five years um, as the child gets a little bit older, can tolerate more therapy um, and, and tolerate longer sessions. Now, I think one of what I really enjoyed and, and the thing, a, a big take home I took from him in our conversation was this idea of intervention versus interventionists or therapists, and this idea of, he talked a lot about this, this wraparound, this comprehensive intervention. It's, it's me as a BCBA maybe providing a few hours, but it's about creating this team, this, this 
intervention package where all these different people are putting together, um, they're looking to put together a comprehensive program that's supported across hours and hours and hours. So the example I know he talked a lot about was really looking at expanding interventions to a lot of different routines, um, particularly during just the regular daily routines, having families be participants in an intervention, having preschool teachers and teams be um, participants in an intervention, and looking at the intervention on this big, broader level. And I thought that was a really a really good way um, to look at it. Now, this has some, some, I think, some, I guess for lack of a better word, some controversy to it. You hear this, I hear this argument all the time of, should a parent be an interventionist? And you guys have all heard me talk about well, who should be an interventionist? Well, who's trained? Who's qualified? How should this work? And, and I think this is where that becomes that fine-tuning of, you know, for me to simply say that, Every single person can be trained to do an intervention is different than every single person being able to implement an intervention. And, and to me, those are differences. I, I feel like I can train anyone strategies to support, to maintain. And I do think there's a big need to expand who's supporting and implementing interventions. I kind of think about it as like there's the heavy lifting which is the beginning, the teaching of skills, and then there's the overall support that we need to provide to help maintain and generalize skills. And that's where I feel like that broader intervention team is at its most effective, but you need those specialized people to do that heavy lifting to teach initial skills. Um, and I think we started to get into that. Um, obviously, I think we need more conversation in, in what kind of things each person should play. You know, what kind of responsibility should each person have? Um, but he also gave us some great ideas in terms of um, how to set up a preschool, what to look for um, in preschool. So a couple of things he shared with us with regards to that are, um, quote from him is that we're trying to look at the similarities and the differences. Preschool has different segments, circle time, outside play, sandbox, and this is a really same way as we adults divide up our day. It's common sense approach to organizing our thinking about childhood functioning within the developmentally appropriate based play-based environment. So that idea of creating these play activities that are structured, that are broken up, that are natural to these kids, and building his preschool setting around that. Um, going back to some of the other things about another good quote from him is we can't reasonably be expect professionals to be with kids during all the time they are learning. What a really skilled early interventionist needs to do is find the right strategies that the parent can implement themselves. And I think this is what we were talking about before. And I think it's that idea of us all teaching, you know, it's that idea of school is six hours. What about those other hours after school? And I think that's the most important take-home, is finding an intervention that has that balance of we're doing the heavy lifting during the day in our school, we're doing the heavy lifting in our program, and then we're getting the right supports in place to provide that wraparound 24-hour support, generalization, and maintenance. All right, let's take a break. We'll come right back to, uh, to some more conversation about our show and and some of my other favorite guests of 2013. All right, guys, talk to you soon. 
Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Autism Spectrum Therapies is proud to present Autism Spectrum Radio. At AST, we see a world where people with autism dream and achieve their full potential. Our promise is to support families through our extensive resources, highly trained staff, and outstanding programs. Call us today and let us know how we can best support your family at 866-278-1520. To find out more about AST, visit our website at www.autismtherapies.com. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Autism Spectrum Therapies, supporting extraordinary individuals and their families. Visit autismtherapies.com or call 866-278-1520. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is Autism Spectrum Radio. If you have a question or comment for our host, Rob, or the guest, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Autism Spectrum Radio. Um, talking today about the last year, some of our favorite shows, some of the shows that really kind of made me and, and our team here at Autism Spectrum Radio kind of think, um, post some new questions to us, or maybe answer some questions for us. Um, so, we're in March. Uh, on March 26th, I was joined by uh, my good friend, Dr. Gina Chang. A um, little bit of shameless self-promotion, bringing in my AST family to, uh, to be on the show. But uh, Dr. Chang, as so many of the other people work here, I, I just really respect and I really enjoy her, her perspective and her opinion. She's got a really nice balance to the way she kind of looks at the world. Um, and on our show, we were talking about social skills. And we were talking about this presentation she recently gave. Um, a, a presentation she gave to a group of families um, here in, uh, I believe, in the San Fernando Valley of uh, Los Angeles. And, you know, we were talking about really the, the future, where social skills should be going, um, really thinking about what the 2B is. Um, and she, she had this quote that I think is really kind of the foundation of what we talked about. She said, 
as a field, meaning ABA folks, us, well, we've gotten very good at teaching specific things, but have not progressed as much in more sophisticated social skills to allow people to contribute more meaningfully. And, you know, that was so much of our conversation, this idea of, well, yeah, we've gotten really great at teaching eye contact. Here, let's target eye contact. Let's target turn-taking. Let's target this discrete conversation skill. But how do we put that all together and really lead to an impactful life? Um, you know, how do we go from to these independent, these little social skills to someone participating in a club? You know, I, I think about the goals I get at the beginning of an assessment versus what we do. And, you know, most of the time I I feel like I come in and and one of the questions I like to ask a family is, you know, what is it, what are the three things we could do that we could work on and achieve that at the end you would say this is a success? And when when we're talking about social skills, you know, inevitably one of the first couple of things that come up for the families concerned about social skills is I want my child to have friends. And I, and I spend a lot of time thinking about, as a field, you know, we teach these independent little discrete skills, but how do they then translate to meaningful friendships? How do they translate into meaningful professional friendships versus personal friendships? I mean, that's, that's a whole other concept. I have my work friends, and there's a certain degree of, of interaction we have, and there's a certain, I guess... Um, level of appropriate conversations we can have. And I have my personal friends and I have my family. And and there's these different degrees of what we talk about and how we interact with each other. And I'll admit, I'm a little different with each group. And it's not necessarily based upon, you know, amount of time I spend with each group. In some ways, I think I spend more time with my work friends because I probably spend too much time at work compared to some of my personal friends. Um, but these interactions are different. And how are we preparing our kids for that? And I think what we've talked about so much on this show, what, what I know uh, Dr. Chang was talking about, are these, is truly these, the facilitation of these social skills. It's, it's teaching things like self-management, teaching things like problem solving, and doing interventions not just in the home, but like getting out into a real world and creating real spaces for people. And it's, you know, kind of along the lines of, of how Dr. McWilliam is talking um, about setting up a preschool. It's, it's setting up real routines, real opportunities to target these things. And we don't have enough of those. We don't have enough of these, these activities where, where friendships can be created. Because you think about... And I'll talk a little bit about uh, Thanksgiving. Sitting down, watching a football game with my family, you know, that's how I spend my Thanksgiving day is in front of the TV watching, watching the NFL. I can tell you there was very little eye contact made during any of those conversations. There, there's, there's different rules. And I don't think we really get to those rules and teach those rules if we're not getting into these real settings where real friendships, real social interactions are taking place, um, whether they be personal, whether they be work. Um, and, and, and I think that's a really important point and something that we as a field are struggling with and we as a community need to do a better job of, of kind of setting up. Um, 
also one of the reasons why we've spent so much time this year talking to different people about community activities, um, whether it be clubs, whether it be after-school programs, whether it be sport programs, etc. It's, it's, these are the types of things and the types of settings where we can do what I'm, what I'm talking about. All right. We're going to go to to probably for I think for most of the, the team here at Autism Spectrum Radio the, the most impactful show it's it's the one that I think uh, folks here talk the most about um, well I should say one of the two shows they talk the most about um, and we'll get to the the second most talked about one towards the end of the show but on April second we were joined by Ido Kadar and. Uh, for those of you guys uh, who don't know Ido, um, he's the author of a book called Ido in Autism Land, Climbing Out of Autism Silent Prison. And Ido was a young man. Uh, he's about 15 years old now. Uh, might even be 16 by the time uh, since we've, we spoke to him. Um, and he's a, a nonverbal young man with autism who about, I think if I recall, about eight or nine years old, uh, discovered typing and was introduced and his mother realized he could communicate through typing and through um, spelling out words and now has a voice output device I believe through his iPad where he's able to type out what he, what's on his mind, express himself and they realized an individual they thought was or so many professionals, so many people identified as quote unquote low functioning is a very smart, smart very gifted young man with a whole lot to say about his experiences and a whole lot to say about what he wants his life to be. So, uh, rather than quotes, I thought we actually read uh, a blog, something that he um, he does on a regular basis, sharing his thoughts uh, on his his blog. Um, Anita wrote, "In friendship, there is give and take, easy talk, shared interest, and socializing. I see the way my sister is with her friends. I can't do what they do." I'm not referring to girl stuff. I mean the social stuff they do. Talking on the phone, sports, texting, meeting at other, each other's homes, mails, uh, malls, and all the rest. How is an autistic person who is not verbal, limited in initiation, independence, and the rest going to do that? We have an isolating illness. It stops us from doing the normal social things. and makes people want to avoid us too because we are so different and so hard to engage. I have a few suggestions for how to be a friend to an autistic person. Don't patronize, even if the person seems low-functioning. Who knows what is trapped inside? Stay friendly and say hi, even if the autistic person is not animated in expression or doesn't say hi first. Try to imagine what nonverbal messages the person is communicating in behavior. Help them stop if they get too stimmy. Connect in the ways you can. I see some people are able to reach through the barrier with autistic people. They're energetic, friendly, not putting up with aggressive or bad behavior, positive and calm. The worst traits for an autistic person to be around are the opposite, lazy, grumpy, weak, and afraid to set limits, negative and tense. I mean, who likes being with negative, grumpy people? But in autism, we get so affected by the moods of others, I think friendship is different in autism. I'm friends with people without socializing in the normal way, but I hope one day my skills will improve. You know, we, we got a lot from Ido on the show. We also heard from his mom. And you really got this, I, I think for me, I, I felt like I got a, a different voice, a unique voice. Um, and it probably, it's, 
unique, not in that other people on the spectrum wouldn't agree, or there's other people who wouldn't say exactly what Ido said, but, but kind of like he said in the very beginning, if you're not verbal, how do you communicate, truly communicate all these things? And, you know, we talked a little bit about some of the skepticism around his communication, people not necessarily believing, is this really him typing? How can it be the doubters? And he, and he talks a lot about that in his book. And I think that's a really, for me, that was something that was really interesting. It's, we've got this interesting voice, and we've got all this skepticism around it. And, you know, he talked about some of the research, some, some different research out there that some people say was kind of, was a little sketchy, some things that disproved some of the different approaches. And, you know, I, I got exposed to a lot of that. I saw a lot of that when I was in graduate school. We, we were shown these different things. And I think as a professional, hearing Ido's point of view, it was one of those moments of just reminding me of, I think, whether it be ABA people like myself, whether it be other therapeutic disciplines out there, we always think we know best. We always think we know we're right and that we're the only right answer. And even people who are really great at collaborating are, are like that. You know, it's, to me, it's not a collaboration thing. It's, a, it's an ego thing. It's, you know, I'm happy to collaborate as long as people are looking up to me, as long as people are listening to me or doing what I say. We're not intruding on my, in, on my turf in this collaborative team. And as a professional, I think that the strongest thing Ido said to me was, think bigger. Think, think about possibility. You know, it's this this young man at seven when his mom first started helping him hold a pencil, you know, and, and start, first made these connections. No one would have believed the present is possible, but it is. It's real. No one's helping Ido type. He's just typing himself. This is something he does. Yet, people wouldn't have seen that as a possibility. And I think he... On top of giving us this point of view, this understanding of what our kids are going through, he also really gives us a lot of sense of, of hope. And I think he also points out a lot about you know, the, the limitations we sometimes put on ourselves when we think in this box of, of what is possible. Um, so uh, to me, that was, that was my, my biggest takeaway. Um, well, I got another commercial break. So let's take another break and we'll come back and... And hopefully get to, yeah, it looks like we're going to pick up in, uh, into April and, and uh, talk a little bit more about some of our guests. So we'll be right back. Learn more. Live better. Voice America Health & Wellness. Autism Spectrum Therapies is proud to present Autism Spectrum Radio. At AST, we see a world where people with autism dream and achieve their full potential. Our promise is to support families through our extensive resources, highly trained staff, and outstanding programs. Call us today and let us know how we can best support your family at 866-278-1520. To find out more about AST, visit our website at www.autismtherapies.com. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Autism Spectrum Therapies, supporting extraordinary individuals and their families. Visit autismtherapies.com or call 866-278-1520. 
These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. This is Autism Spectrum Radio. If you have a question or comment for our host, Rob, or the guest, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program. Hey, guys. Welcome back to Autism Spectrum Radio. Kind of doing a year in review. Uh, Kurt's me that it's a little early to start doing the year in review. But, um, but this was actually the, uh, you know, given the schedule of guests for the rest of the year, this actually was the day that, that really made the most sense. And um, halfway through, and, I, and I'm glad we're getting to do this, uh, it's, it's kind of bringing back a lot of emotions and thoughts for me just talking about these different shows. Um, and uh, the next show kind of brings up some, some reaction and some emotions just in, in a different way. Um, this show was actually uh, something we, we aired on April 23rd, and it's, uh, it's actually my dad's favorite show. And uh, the guest was uh, former NFL quarterback uh, Rodney Pete, um, who was talking to us about a dad's perspective, um, what it's been like being a dad who has a, a son on the spectrum, um, some about his work as an author, as an advocate. Um, and, you know, obviously talking about dads, uh, it, it was something that I think my dad had, had communicated the, the messages, the themes, they, they went beyond autism. You know, to him, he was listening and, and he kind of felt like he had his own, he, he could relate to it and had his own, kind of moment listening um, as my dad and, and thinking about those themes of pride and, and love and um, kind of the hopes and the fears you have when, when you've got a, a, a young son of, of what they'll end up being as, a, as an adult and as a grown man. So he kind of was able to relive some past emotions that he had with me as well as um, appreciate you know, present emotions and, and the things that I'm doing. So... So that in and of itself was pretty cool to to get that phone call from him after the show and and uh, and talk about it. Um, but I think a, a, a key quote, a, a key takeaway, is something Rodney himself shared. And um, one of the things he shared with us, and he said, was that a challenge a lot of dads face: the way we we are made up. We have expectations for our sons, a vision of what he's going to do and become. If you weren't good as a kid at sports, you just work on it to get better. And seemed that seemed black and white and very simple. Uh, when your child falls under the gray area, you can't just go work on it or try harder. For me, the denial factor for was uh, from how my dad taught me. That is how I was with my son. And he probably looked at me like that Charlie Brown teacher who just didn't understand. And, and that was a big theme in, in his book as well. Um, you know, Rodney wrote this this first person account about 
being a dad and learning about his son's diagnosis and you know going through the early years into these these more present years with RJ his son and I, I think that idea of these how we were raised how our dads raised us how that differs how I think how this kind of for lack of a better term this like growth of manhood becoming a man and and what it takes to be that you know that's that's not the way therapy is set up um, and most therapies that that I've experienced with kids on the spectrum you know you don't go there right away that that's that's a down the road type of thing we've got to build some basics we got to build foundations first and that was something Rodney said he struggled with and then he struggled with then getting his dad to get what they were doing because he had that relationship. He wanted his dad to understand because his dad's approval meant something to him because he had the relationship with his dad that he wanted to have with RJ. And I think really getting this perspective was, was something that I think really made sense to me. But I think one of the, the big take-homes and why I really was glad we did the show was Ronnie's point about it's actually more women and moms who are reading his book and gaining things from his book because he was able to articulate things that their husbands weren't always able to. And that, to me, really made sense. It's knowing my wife and, and my relationship with her, you know, it, it, it can be hard. I, I do have some of that, you know, whether it be the machismo, whether it be the, those gender norm roles. Um, I don't know what it is, but sometimes it can be hard to kind of get those emotions out or really say what's, not what's on my mind, but probably more what I'm feeling. And so um, all these different mothers getting a little bit of insight into what their husbands are feeling um, seems like a really great gift and a really great thing for, for families to have. Um, so we're going to fast forward a little bit, and we're going to hop into a, a show from June 25th. And this is a show we, uh, we had Christy Osland on, and she was the... Um, department chair um, working on accommodations um, for a STEM program. And STEM is um, a science and technology course, or, or sorry, I should say, program, really looking at science, technology, engineering, um, and a very specific program. And she talked about setting up resources, setting up schools, and setting up programs to really help support kids as they transition from high school into living in the dorms. Now, she wasn't focusing on the academics. She was focusing on that support that these 18, 19, 20-year-old um, college freshmen and sophomores in particular needed to transition from mom and dad being around, living at home, into the dorms. And I know for me, you know, not being on the spectrum, just being a guy going to college, that was hard. And some of the things she talked about maybe weren't the things I struggled with, but the things in terms of time management, prioritization, working on all those different um, aspects of not someone looking over your shoulder and keeping you in, in check and in line, like that was hard. You need more discipline. And college is exciting, and it can also be overwhelming. But she talked a lot about the, the STEM program. She talked about the different ways to prepare your, your child. And I think that was really great the way so much of what she talked about, whether she recognized it or not, I actually felt like reinforced of, you know, ABA is a really great thing. She talked a lot about uh, 
proactive or antecedent strategies, things that in my field we talk about as maybe priming or um, maybe they were talking about EO manipulations. Um, but all the things we do ahead of time to prep, to prepare, to get our kids ready, as well as um, talking about different clubs, different activities. Um, so I think that's a really great show for a very specific, targeted audience. Um, and it's one that I'm going to actually kind of pause for a second and come back to um, as we talk about one of our next guests or, or one of our future shows um, in this conversation because this idea of STEM and that type of program did come up in a, in a future show I want to talk about. So we'll pause and we're going to hop ahead to um, August 27th. And this was a day where we were ga- joined by um, Dr. Levy and Dr. Uh, Girolami from the Kennedy Krieger Institute, and they were talking about this amazing feeding program that they have. It's a, a multidisciplinary, uh, primarily behavior-based or ABA-based feeding program. And I personally was just so excited for this show. Um, the show ended up being amazing, but I was just so excited that we got these two am- just incredible people to be on the show. Um, this is probably where my, my ABA nerddom kind of comes out. Um, but I was just so excited because of what the Kennedy Krieger Institute is, how it's set up, um, and just how much respect you know people like me have for it. It's something I feel like I started 12 years ago really doing ABA, and this was one of the first things I had heard of. And this feeding clinic and program is one of the first things I learned about. Um, Kind of, I'll let them kind of describe a little bit uh, what they were doing and, and what we talked about. Um, but for a quote from that show is, we sort of think of ourselves in terms of our roles, but we do overlap. The medical person considers the medical issues that contribute to the feeding disorder and define what is going on. Do they have allergies, constipation, difficulty swallowing, etc.? Then, OT and speech will evaluate how they are chewing and moving food into their mouth. What textures do they do well with? What are the best utensils and cup, etc., to use? The nutritionist will evaluate how they are growing. Are they at risk for deficiencies from their limitations? Do they need supplements? It often may start with the medical issue, but a big part of the therapy is behavior therapy. And this idea, to me, makes so much sense. It's The intervention is a behavioral intervention, but we get all of these other supports into place. We put all these other experts into place to be able to look at What's going on? Do we have the right cups? Do we have the right utensils? Have we covered all the medical? And they help and tweak and fine-tune the behavior intervention. I love this. This seems like maybe it's my training. Maybe it's my background. This seems like the most logical and best way to go. And one of the, the big things that I was excited about is that parents got to hear this because I don't feel like this is the norm. I don't feel like this is the norm of how people look at feeding issues. Um, I know working with regional centers here in California, this is something that they've been resistant to. I've worked with some insurance companies and this is something that they have been resistant to as well. And I love the idea of this intensive program that they've got at Kennedy Krieger, this intensive program where they do all this heavy work, they put in the intensive intervention, they put in this behavior treatment with all these supports into place, and then they go and, and they expand and they generalize and they maintain after this intensive program. And I really feel like this is something 
because food selectivity is such a big issue for our kids, and with the growing rates of kids with autism, it's natural that we're going to have more and more kids on the spectrum who have feeding difficulties. This is something we should be looking at. And this is not just for kids with autism. And, and that was something else they talked about is they're working with kids with all, all different types of kids. And again, as we've heard from a few different people, uh, Michelle Wallace was someone on the show um, a while back who talked about this as well. You know, food selectivity, um, feeding difficulties, these are things that are happening more and more with, with all kids. And this type of intervention really seems to be the most effective. And when you have the medical director, an MD, say, I was skeptical, but I am 100% converted to this is the best approach. You know, I know he wasn't thinking for every single kid, but for the kids that they're seeing, the kids where there is more than just a simple medical issue, that's powerful to hear that change of perspective from start to, to I guess, present. Um, so if this is a problem, if this is something that your kid is affected by, I think this show is, is definitely one that you want to take a listen to because you're going to be able to gain so much from it um, because they really gave us so much to learn and um, so much advice of, of, of what we should be looking for and setting up programs. All right. Third commercial break. We'll be right back with our final segment. Helping you make informed decisions for your life. This is Voice America Health and Wellness. Autism Spectrum Therapies is proud to present Autism Spectrum Radio. At AST, we see a world where people with autism dream and achieve their full potential. Our promise is to support families through our extensive resources, highly trained staff, and outstanding programs. Call us today and let us know how we can best support your family at 866-278-1520. To find out more about AST, visit our website at www.autismtherapies.com. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Autism Spectrum Therapies, supporting extraordinary individuals and their families. Visit autismtherapies.com or call 866-278-1520. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. This is Autism Spectrum Radio. If you have a question or comment for our host, Rob, or the guest, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program. Hey, guys. Welcome back to Autism Spectrum Radio. So, <laughs> almost tripped over the wire to, uh, to my headphone. That would not have been good. Um, so, final segment here. Um, and, you know, I, 
this probably is is the most predictable. I, I mentioned that there were probably two, um, you know, biggest, most favorite, most talked about shows here. The first being Edo um, back in April, and the second being a very recent one, um, November twelfth. We had Temple Grandin on the show, and you know, it was a show that. It was so funny to see and hear so many people at AST be so excited. And, you know, I, I, it was probably the most questions I've gotten about this show was, was about uh, Temple coming on. And, uh, you know, a couple of little things that touched me rather than, than sum up what, what she said, I, I think it's best, you know, it's hard to sum up Temple because I think the way she, she presents information, um, she has a, a such a unique perspective, um, or I shouldn't say perspective. I think she has a very unique voice. I think the way, not just what she says, but how she says it, is is equally as powerful. And, and to really get the full message, it I find it best to kind of hear it from her than to always have someone um, reiterate it or rearticulate it themselves. But one thing we didn't talk about on the show that I thought was interesting is you know in her newest book. She talked a little bit about STEM programs, and I think she talked about the idea that for her, a program like that would have been horrible. Um, that would not have worked for her at all, and she needed more hands-on things. And the STEM program, these science, technology, engineering courses, they tend to be a little bit more um, math-oriented. They tend to be more um, abstract. They tend to be more theoretical um, in, in terms of what they're working on. It doesn't, it doesn't get hands-on. It, it, you really need to understand the theory of everything you're doing. And her concern being that so many kids go into that field but aren't getting what they really need. And she being a great example of how she learned, how she succeeded, that type of program wouldn't have really worked. And I thought it was really interesting reflecting back on, you know, on the one hand, we've got Christy on the show talking about the kids succeeding and how kids are, are achieving. And, and she's providing these living supports, these, these social supports to help the kids achieve, um, whether it be um, getting them in touch with different clubs, um, giving them some guidance and support around daily living. And now you've got Temple talking about how kids learn and how she learned. And it was just this great for me, a nice reminder of two different people, two points of view. I think they're both right. And it just comes back to, but we are, this is a spectrum. Not everyone is going to fall into this. And then even more so, it reminds me of just kids in general. Not every kid is going to be right for a STEM program, even if they were just you know, nowhere on the, the spectrum or, or don't have a diagnosis. Um, and that's why I go back to, to a lot of what she said about, you know, we talked a lot about rockets um, for anyone who listened to the show or, or who wants to. And then we talked about rocketry. And that was some, because it was something Temple really loved when she was uh, a girl. And um, for me, that really resonated. Like, I, I really got what she was saying because this idea of hands-on clubs problem-solving was, was her big takeaway. You know, you, you do a, a rocket, you have to problem solve. Up, oh, you know what, this didn't quite work. How do I adjust for this? Maybe you're sewing something that, that as you're going, you have to adjust your plans. You know, it's that saying, the best laid plans. I, I agree with that. I think that makes so much sense 
But I think a big part of why I do is, is, is I, I experienced so much of what she was talking about. Um, I actually was part of a rocketry club. I did rocket making for probably six years. And what was really interesting about the rocket club, to kind of give you some parallels, it's mostly guys being that I was in it when I was probably in the like nine to 13 range. And, you know, that's when kids are starting to develop sports and that's when, or, or athletic skills and sports are becoming a big deal. And, um, you also start to segregate yourself. You know, you create the different cliques. These people are cool. These people are uncool. It's that like third grade time is when that really started to happen. At least when, when I was a kid and it definitely went into middle school and, we had kids of all different types of guys, all different types of kids were in there. Some kids who were quote unquote cool kids, some kids who were quote unquote the nerds, whatever you want to call them. But in that club, it didn't really matter. Like everyone was just rocket buddies and you know, everyone was into problem solving together. And we actually did joint projects. There was times when we actually had to do one big joint rocket. And those are the types of problem solving. Those are the types of social interactions that I think are really valuable to what Temple's talking about. It's, it's not just problem solving my own individual, but then you get a group activity and I have to problem solve with other people. And I know she talked a lot about these are the things that made her excited about going to school. And I think that's a theme that we heard so much throughout the year. Take things, take activities that motivate, that excite your child and build learning into that. And I think that is just one of the big things that we need to constantly be pushing ourselves to create, our kids to do, is what's going to get them excited. Because this shouldn't always be torture. Therapy can be fun. Therapy can be motivating. School can be fun. School can be motivating. And to me, that was really one of her biggest take-homes. We talked about brain scans, which... I feel like I only understand a fraction of, but I'm really interested in. Um, and I think we also talked a little bit about just society. So if you, I, I don't even have to say if you, I know Temple's someone who's going to interest everyone. If you haven't heard the show yet, definitely tune in. Um, you really just get the the great perspective that she has to offer, as well as a lot of inspiration for for what we can accomplish moving forward. All right, two minutes left. That was the last show I wanted to touch upon. Um, as you guys know, all of these shows are located on the Autism Therapies website. So it's autismtherapies.com. That's the AST, Autism Spectrum Therapies website. We've got a page where you can listen to all of these shows as well as every show that we've ever done. You can also go to um, iTunes, download the show, listen to it on your podcast. That feels very cool for me to say. I'm, I'm just always so excited when I can say, yes, you can go to iTunes. I did that over Thanksgiving, actually, to a bunch of people at this big wedding I was at. Um, and, you know, Voice America also has it on their homepage. Um, you just have to search for Autism Spectrum Radio, and uh, you should be able to find that pretty easily on the health and wellness um, station there. Um, next week, we're going to have um, uh, a great guest. We're going to be joined um, by a uh, local woman here in Culver City who is doing a really cool yoga program, um, Yoga for Kids with Special Needs. It's uh, something I saw, a flyer I saw at my studio where I, yes, I actually practice yoga myself and uh, just wanted to learn more about. So we're going to get to learn more about this program and what they're doing 
and um, some of the potential benefits um, that she's been seeing teaching yoga and doing this type of class for kids with autism and other special needs. So that will be on next week, as well as uh, me being joined by a special guest to uh, get another unique perspective from someone on the spectrum just filling us in on his life and, and what's going on. I think you may remember my good friend Nick, um, but Nick will be back with us next week um, to, to, again, to chat and, uh, and share. So, uh, again, I hope you guys had a, a fabulous Thanksgiving. Um, it feels like we're in the home stretch into Christmas, into the New Year's. Uh, and some of you guys, I'm sure, are also celebrating Hanukkah right now. I know I got my annual pair of socks sent for my mom. Uh, every every year I get a pair of socks for Hanukkah because, you know, that's what <laughs> that's what I got as a kid. And it's just kind of a good, fun tradition. Um, but re- regardless of what holiday you are celebrating, about to celebrate, um, I hope you enjoy this holiday season. Um, again, AutismTherapies.com to listen to all our past shows. You can email us at more info at autismtherapies.com if you've got any questions. And, of course, Facebook is, is always probably the easiest for everyone to connect. I um, hope you guys have a great week, great weekend, and I'll talk to you soon. Take care, everyone. We hope you've had some questions about autism answered this week. Autism Spectrum Radio can be heard live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Please join us for another edition next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.